Welcome to the Hammer and Quill, Season 2, Episode 4, an interview with Chris Barclay. Chris Barclay. A fly rod maker who, when I say his name, I suddenly <laughs> recapture my Irish roots. Is he Irish? I never asked I him. I guess we'll You're find probably Irish. not. He's probably You're Scottish. Irish-Italian? I'm Irish-Italian, among other things. As a matter of fact, I just did an Ancestry.com. Did you? I spit into a tube. <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> it was pretty quick. <laughs> Have you gotten I the results it off. yet? I haven't got the results oh. yet. Oh, I was wow. going to say, were you, are you everything you thought you were? <laughs> well, I am a little bit nervous. This is going to be yeah, a I just don't know what's going to happen. You know? Future podcast my, episode. My mom, my mom did hers, and she was, she was like 48% Southern Italian. So I, I assume I'll be 20, well, I hope. I'll be 24 and a half, 24% Southern Italian. <laughs> Good math skills. And uh, I'm sure there'll be some Irish in there. So anyway, here we are. <laughs> here we are in the in the Bonhoeffer House Global Studio. Studio, which studio. is not a studio. studio. It's a studio. No, it's not, not going to work. Well, speaking of Ancestry. trying to make that work. Go ahead. Speaking of Ancestry.com, what's your favorite thing of this week? Jesse, wow. is was that spitting it? in a tube and mailing it? It was not my favorite thing this week. Mm. Um, that's I, a great question. You I know, think, you know yours. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm I'm currently listening to a book that I'm really, really loving. I'm engrossed in it. You are teasing us. What is it? It's called "Death Comes for the Archbishop" mm. by Willa Cather. Okay. And I'm about halfway through, so I'm not quite at the place where I could tell you what it's about. In the sense of, I mean, I don't know how it ends. I was about to say, 50% through and you don't know what it's about yet does not sound very exciting to me. No, it's about about a Catholic archbishop who's sent to, who goes to New Mexico in the 1830s, maybe, uh, uh, to be a missionary bishop. And death is coming for him? Well... Death hasn't come for him yet, but right. by the title, I assume it will. <laughs> I sure hope so. If not, that's a letdown. Yeah. But listening to that has been has been really rewarding, engrossing. I find her her uh, writing to be she's she's building a world sparsely, and it's really it really draws me in. It's drawn me in. Huh. So you you're having to fill in details with your own imagination. Well, no. No, it's just more of uh, the language matches the environment. Mm. Kind of so, like the road. Yes, only not bleak and gray, but in the same way that Cormac McCarthy with the road. Um, Short sentences. Yep, matches the the bleak environment with his. Yeah, I'd say I'd say her prose matches. It puts you there. Cool. Yeah. Michael, I'll, I'll review. You? I'll review yeah. that later. Okay. I, I'll tell you more about that. Later. Okay. That to come on your Ancestry.com view yeah, as well. Yeah, two, two exciting we things. We will be so, we're so, we're <laughs> waiting with bated breath. You don't Who care. is Jesse Fury? I do. I'm, I'm, I want, I want us to bring Who this cares? back on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my favorite thing, which got a shout out in the podcast with Reed, uh, was I, I went and saw Dune, oh. the movie. Oh, you went and saw it in the theater. I went and saw it in the oh, theater. Oh, lucky. And with a group of friends and with my wife, and it was very fun. And I read the book. Hey, just to be clear, I didn't go, but I was invited. <laughs> you were invited. So I, I am your friend. Yes. Holly was shaking her head saying, you, you, weren't, you weren't there. <laughs> yeah. well, but because, I got invited. Because last time Michael said he was going to watch it, he told he, you, did. you weren't <laughs> allowed to watch it with him because he was waiting I to did, watch it with well, friends. Well, well, I did not say you weren't allowed. I said, "Oh yeah, I'm planning to watch that with my friends." And Jesse was I like, "I wish our listeners could see how I'm dejected your I look right now." <laughs> I've forgotten that. So anyway, There's you and your friends, you and your buddies, you and your pals, went and saw this here. movie. So keep going. There's a theme here too because um, last episode you said that you got to interview Reed because he's your friend. Yeah. <laughs> Holly, We're just making you feel bad now. Holly was like, "He's my friend too." <laughs> okay, yeah, I saw Dune. I I've read the book. And it was very, very fun to see how they brought to life and, and imagined and visualized some of the elements of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, they were unexpected. So 
Cool. Yep. Had you seen a movie in the theaters since the pandemic hit? Yes. Okay. Uh, um, Emily and I saw James Bond. Oh, okay. Like a month ago. We went to see Encanto. I took my two older kids to that, and it was so wonderful. I hadn't been back to the theater since. It's kind of great. It's great. People (laughs) people are going back. I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home just made like $243 million in the first weekend. Yeah. That's unheard of. I want to see that. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe you should go with your friends. (laughs) Let me know how it is. I recommend Encanto. Okay. Encanto. Oh, gosh, I don't know. It was really good. Is that your favorite thing? It's not my favorite thing. Okay. It would have been my kid's favorite thing. But it was a fun experience. Mm. So what's your favorite thing? My favorite thing, I'm going to recommend a podcast. Okay. And these are episodes that came out a while ago. Not too long. uh, Maybe two months ago or so. The the podcast is called Coffee and Crumbs. And it's hosted by um, Ashley Gad, Jill Atagwe, and Katie Blackburn. And it's a podcast that's mostly geared toward women. um, I would say mostly geared towards like mom younger moms um but it's it's such a good podcast anyway they started off this season with two podcast episodes on friendship Mm. and what it looks like in this season of life to pursue friendship to seek out um community and to be a good friend and it was so powerful to me i have recommended it to so many people um yeah i can't recommend it more it's so good um their whole podcast is great. So that that one podcast, I also want to recommend. Um, do they do they talk about inviting your friends to the movies? <laughs> I think if it's like a true friend, true friends you would. Get invited yeah, to the instead of just like a coworker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we should Ouch. listen to that one, Michael. You should listen to that one. <laughs> but another podcast, real quick, is the Family Discipleship Podcast, mm. and the it's under the same um, like umbrella as the Knowing Faith podcast that's hosted by um, Kyle Worley, JT English, and Jen Wilkin. And this one's mm, hosted them. by <laughs> Adam Griffin, Griffith, um, Chelsea. Those names yeah. are the same as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> if your last name's Griffin or Griffith, you're going to get either one from Griffin. me. Uh, uh, every time I say it, it'll be different. Yeah, Griffin. Griffin. Yes. <laughs> and then um, Cassie Bryant and Chelsea Griffin, Griffith, whatever. Anyway, um, amazing first season of that podcast and they Mm. put out a we're we're recording this prior to christmas um i think it'll come out after but they put out an episode on talking to your kids about santa and it was so good it was so Mm. good every everything they've put out there's a episode about um knowing when your child should be baptized and who can influence your kids uh interviews with jen wilkin and matt chandler it's great so anyway those are my two favorite things i love that i love that speaking of podcasts as we think about what's coming up, you know, for us in this podcast, you know, we, we're really right in the heart of our mini-series on craftsmanship, mm-hmm. uh, and I want to forecast a, listen, a little bit to our listeners that are friendos out there, mm-hmm. that we do have, we'll, be, we'll make, make a transition after a couple more guests into a, into a mini-series on uh, the future of theological education, which is Really exciting for me. Maybe not so much for you two. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited. excited. Okay, good. We're all excited. We're all (laughs) friends here. We watch movies together and get excited about podcasts together. Um, But one thing that you can be listening for and looking out for is in the transition between our two series, we are going to do a little one-off episode, uh, a bonus episode. That's right. If you will. That sounds professional. We'll be doing a... It is professional, Holly. (laughs) We'll be doing a bonus episode where we sit down, the three of us, with our friend, Dr. Reese Bizant, who is the Dean of Missional Theology at Ridley College in Melbourne, Australia, who will be here in person. He's, he's, they're finally letting people leave the I'm island so excited. He's of Australia. Be here in person. And we are going to chop it up about the rise and fall of Mars Hill. The po- I don't know if you've heard of this podcast. <laughs> It's a little, it's a little bit of a thing. smaller than ours. It's a bit of a thing. It's just like our podcast. <laughs> Similar cultural kind of reach. Reach, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what we wanted to do is get get the four of us into a room because we we basically uh, we we come we'll come at this from different angles. We have different perspectives on the podcast, 
itself. And so rather than being kind of like a fan fiction, you know, of the podcast, what we really want to do is get into what what can we learn about uh, about ministry, about the church, about building healthy churches from from the podcast. What 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 are our takeaways? What are things that we may, maybe we we might disagree even with with Cosper on um, as far as directional or with each other? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot, you know, as as we are trying to form future leaders in and for the church with the Bonhoeffer House. There's a lot to be learned, good and bad, from that story. So I'm super excited to talk. Yeah. I'm re-listening to all of it, yeah. or I'm trying to re-listen to all of it before we have that conversation with Reese. Yeah, I hope to I hope to uh, publish an accompanying um, article that will kind of at least from my perspective, uh, you know, takeaways. And you know, Michael and I have already been arguing about this, and so I look forward to arguing on uh, friendly arguments. Well, are we friends? Arguments though? between people who watch movies <laughs> together, coworker arguments. <laughs> yeah. When have we even watched a movie together? What's the last movie we watched together? Oh, like Pig? The Masterpiece. Guys, make I it set in you up. this weekend. I, mi- I set you up just so that we could talk about Pig. Nicolas Cage. And Nicolas Cage. <laughs> well, anyway, listeners, thank you for joining us here on this episode. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Chris Barclay, a magnificent fly rod maker, or a maker of magnificent fly rods. Mm. He, maybe perhaps he's a magnificent man as well. I you'll got have to, to find out. You'll have to find out. I got to go into the, uh, I got to go fishing with him and his dog, Stella. Mm. Uh, and then we recorded this conversation right there in the woods. You can hear the dog in the background. You can, we got interrupted by other fishermen who stopped and talked with us. We did cut that out of the podcast though, but it was a fantastic. You hope. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> Michael's I'm the in charge. No, I, no, we cut it out. We had a great conversation about, Honoring God in the vocation of making things, of mm. making fly rods, and uh, and the influences of people like Francis Schaeffer and and Labrie and his and his view of vocation and craftsmanship. And so, we hope that you enjoy this conversation, and we'll see you on the other side. See you on the other side. Welcome to the Hammer and Quill, Chris Barclay. I am so excited for this interview. We're here at an undisclosed location. Yep. In the, we could go so far as to say the Blue Ridge Mountains. Near the Blue Ridge Parkway, maybe. Ooh, that may already have given away too much. There's a lot of water. <laughs> oh, Chris, it is so good to have you here on the Hammer and Quill. Man, you know, great, to, great to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, we uh, with the Bonhoeffer House and the Hammer and Quill, we really try to explore uh, what's good, true, and beautiful in the lives and vocation of interesting people, of uh, partners and friends uh, with the Bonhoeffer House. And we are, as you know, in the middle of a series on craftsmanship. And so I was so excited that you said yes to have this conversation uh, so that we could learn about the practices, the tips, the tricks, uh, really how you um, work with your hands yeah, and yeah. how you develop your skills as a craftsman. So, uh, you know, Chris, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit okay. about who you are, maybe a little family background and what yeah. it is that you do. Yeah. Yeah. I um, My name is Chris Barclay, born at a very early age. <laughs> And I uh, grew up in the Houston, Texas area. And from, a, from really early on, I had a love for fishing. And uh, thanks to my grandparents, my grandma mainly, and aunts and uncles and uh, over in Mississippi, I'd spent a lot of time fishing farm ponds there and, and uh, grew up learning a lot about uh, just life from just being in the outdoors. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, my dad died early on, uh, in, uh, we, I was born in Norway and he, uh, got cancer and we moved to Houston so he could get, uh, treatment for skin cancer. And, uh, it was in the seventies and there was not much treatment for skin cancer then. So it, he, he passed away when I was about two. Mm. And so that was, 
sort of a big thing that informed kind of how I figured out how to how to proceed with life. Uh, not really having a, a father figure, so I just kind of figured things out on my own. And that's kind of what I did um, with just about everything I've ever done. I used to be into cycling, and I used to do a lot of woodworking and, and carpentry and stuff, and loved to work with my hands and exercise my brain in that way. And um, so is that so? When you think back to your your past, and because I'm curious, and by the way, I love that we can hear like Stella, oh yeah, <laughs> shaking, and we we yeah, are we are trying to capture the really the the, uh, <laughs> the essence of Creekside. Uh, Blue Ridge Parkway. Yeah, yeah. Um, with this with this rig we've got set up. Uh, it's pretty sweet. Too. Bolted to the <laughs> side of my car. <laughs> I like it. So as you you kind of grew up, it sounds like putting your hands to work, um, and, and really exploring. You know who you are in the world. Yeah, yeah. And how how did that inform your eventual vocational choice to be a fly rod builder? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a weird convoluted sort of story but when I was about three I remember going to preschool and on dress-up day as dress up as what you want to do when you grow up and I, I dressed up as a fisherman I brought my rod and reel and a vest and a hat and tackle box and stuff and that's just that's what I wanted to yeah. be when I grew up I, I wanted to fish didn't really know what that meant though yeah um if only <clears throat> yeah really <laughs> yeah yeah um so I guess over time, I, I just continued to love fishing, but I also found peace and direction in uh, working with my hands and trying to do things. And like from fixing a boat trailer, still don't step on the computer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to um, other things, and in when I was in college, I started working for. I went to college in Nacogdoches, Texas and uh, worked for a sign company and the carpenter and and just a, a lot of things where you kind of learned as you go yeah and uh, that seemed to be the way i think so i i just that's what i worked with and graduated with a speech communications and sociology degree and started to be an electrician right after that and uh with the intent on going to seminary a couple of years after that and uh, then we moved to st louis so i could go to seminary and um at covenant and shout out to all of our presbyterian oh, yeah. listeners out there holler yeah i think that is that what you're supposed to say <laughs> i don't know what presbyterians say i don't but either, probably but not holler probably not that's the first time i've ever said that <laughs> <laughs> we say holler in in, uh, in radford but it's to describe the oh the holler yeah yeah, yeah. The, the land go, feature go down through the holler <laughs> yeah Maybe I'll use that in a different way next yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> so you're at, you're at Covenant Seminary. Yeah, Covenant Seminary. Um, again, I, I got a job working, uh, doing house remodeling and things like that. <clears throat> and really, really enjoyed it. Worked for a, a trim carpenter and a cabinet maker and an old man named Fred that worked a couple days a week. And he was retired the rest of the time. And it was fantastic. I learned so much from him. Mm. And... Um, then I realized that seminary wasn't quite the right thing for me. It was it was just a, a lot of education, and I it, it's not not so much hands-on. Yeah. So I, uh, I kind of went through a, a bit of a spiritual crisis where I just had a a, a time of thinking of well, what what do I do next? And then basically I, I got a job working for the seminary doing their. Um, uh, the maintenance mm. on the on all the public buildings and stuff and did that for about seven years and uh, it was a good fit for me in a lot of ways but not in other ways it, it was it was too much sitting down okay and telling people what to do and I'm not all that great at that so uh, I learned that and in the evenings I started to build fly rods just I, I started to get back into fishing it back for a while I, I wasn't I loved fishing I just didn't do it yeah um, and then just sort of out of necessity, I needed something to do with my hands and my brain. And a buddy of mine said, Hey, you need to, you need to try building a rod. And so I did. So when you, when you decide I want to build a rod, I mean, what do you do? Do you, you do you Google it? Do you just go cut a branch down? I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've done some woodworking yeah. and I'm, I'm not unfamiliar with the workshop, Yeah. but, um, if someone asked me to build them a rod, 
I wouldn't have to fantasize. I mean, obviously yeah. I would YouTube it. Yeah, That's what I would do. yeah, YouTube's I'd probably great. Watch you. Yeah, there's um, there's there were some there are some forums, some fly fishing forums out there. Um, uh, ultralight fly fishing, fiberglass fly fishing, yeah, classic fly fishing, and a lot of people build rods on there. And that I kind of got in with a a guy that um, he lives here in North Carolina actually, and he kind of sent me a couple emails about what to do and okay. how to start and where to buy stuff. And that was exactly 10 years ago this week. Yes. I, I which, so which is you hilarious. Your 10 year anniversary with us. Yeah. Creek I, yeah. Today. This is, Catching this is the way to do it. Beautiful little brookie trout. Yeah. And, um, so I, I built one on an Orvis blank and I just loved it. Okay. it. It was so peaceful and beautiful to to create and now at this point do you have enough tools in your workshop that that you're not having to build an entire workshop out to do this yeah yeah you don't need a whole lot of real big specialty tools to start off with you can start off with a cardboard box for a jig and and cut notches in it and use it to to roll the blank as you're wrapping it and things and you can do a lot of the the hand shaping or the the grip shaping by hand and things like that okay um but Eventually, I, I went and bought a couple of tools, some lathes and things like that to uh, help make the grips concentric and, and nice looking. And, and um, it didn't, I, I built a couple rods right off the bat and sold them so I could buy more. And then uh, it just kind of kept on going, it just started building momentum. And I started thinking about, well, what kind of rods do I want to build? Mm. And I, really preferred small stream stuff and uh, at that time I was fishing little spring creeks in Missouri and uh, spring creeks that, that are a little bit bigger than we've, what we fish today but not not any gradient to it at all um, and sort of started designing rods for in my mind for that and then I talked to some friends in Japan who uh, who they were friends with a, a guy that um, owned a, a, a large blank manufacturing facility that mm. makes blanks for a, a lot of people, and but they weren't really de- willing to deal with many Americans. Okay, um, but hey, my friend for our listeners oh, yeah. who don't know what a blank is. Oh yeah, uh, what's, a, what's a blank? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, a blank. I mean, you, I obviously <clears throat> know, but for other yeah, people yeah, who don't know, yeah, good to back up yeah. on that. Ooh, party foul. <laughs> We had a spillage of a drink. Yeah, so, we had. So a blank right in, right would in the be shoe. Um, a blank is the the part of the fishing rod that uh, di- the casts. It, okay. it it is made of mine's made of fiberglass. Others are made of bamboo or graphite or some kind of carbon material, and um, it has a certain taper to it so that it bends a certain way. Right. And you can design that into it. You can get sort of generic blanks from anybody, and it'll still fish great, and you'll still catch fish. And I was trying to design a blank that would work really well for my little streams. Yeah. And um, and so in doing that, I uh, I I decided to uh, just kind of go out on a limb and see if I could really do this as for a living. Yeah, and I did, I really kind of doubted it because not many people do, and um, but I I, uh, I was part of a group of people that was let go from the seminary during financial okay difficulty time, and so that kind of shot me off into the world to figure out what I wanted to do next. And when you think of, when you you know when I'm thinking about custom fly rod builders, yeah, um, is there. Is there a community? Are there like dozens of you, hundreds of you, thousands of you? How how much yeah. of a niche market is this niche? Yeah, how do you it, pronounce that? it's um, it is. There are just a handful of full time guys okay. doing it. Thousands of of, of people doing it hobby. as a hobby. Yeah, and um, a lot of people doing it in the evenings and and as a retired or whatever and um just just it's a big it's a big and a really small community okay all at the same time and most everybody are are friends and we all get along real well and and it's it's a it's a sweet group of people yeah that was interesting to hear about how 
you in getting started um having a guy around here in north carolina yeah you kind of back and forth and yeah you kind of mentored me yeah yeah one of the things you know is we're we're doing these series this one on craftsmanship um we are trying to within that within the bonhoeffer house um understand and articulate the connections between say uh breaking into learning a craft like fly yeah. rod building and 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 ministry and yeah yeah in the same way uh, often it's someone's seasoned coming along and saying hey you know what i, I would like to invest in you I'll, yeah i'll share yeah. some secrets with you i'll share some tips with you come you know have you thought about doing it this way yeah yeah um, yeah that's what this man art did and he, he was it was wonderful yeah it, it, I, I didn't meet him till many years later okay till actually about six years ago when i moved here okay so we were just corresponding for a couple of years before that and uh it, it's neat that he he took the time to to care for me in that way yeah it, it was pretty special so when you think about uh your your vocation when you think about uh building rods um what comes most what's what's easiest for you like is there a part of that that's just really natural and is there a part that just takes more um you know time is more frustrating yeah um sometimes the the wrapping of the thread there, there's a very fine silk thread that i use that i wrap around each guide which the guide is what uh, directs the line up and down the rod and it would it's it it gets pretty tedious it, it can be boring if you if you're not listening to good music you, you can just kind of get numb to it um but i i also really love that and, and enjoy the, because you, you get to lay each little piece of thread right next to each other. If you overlap it, you kind of, you go, you back up a little back bit up. and you redo it. Nobody wants an overlap line. No way. Yeah. No way. It's, yeah. it's sad. Send it back. Yeah. <laughs> it's unacceptable. But yeah, it's, I, that, that it's tedious, but I love it. Huh. What I, what I love most is, um, a lot of my early rods just had all court grip and seat things like that. Um, but I, I've really enjoyed finding really unique pieces of wood that maybe has has a little bit of a story. Okay. And that uh, recently I found a a really cool piece of wood in a friend's wood pile, and it was it, it looked like a piece of maple that had been rotting for a little bit, but stabilized enough to to have some chatoyance and iridescence and stuff like that in it. Chatoyance. That's a fancy word. Yeah. That means. Shiny. I mean, I know what it is, but there, yeah. are, there are probably listeners who don't. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a word that I use for wood that, like, if it has f- grain or figuring that stands out. Okay. Um, ripples or bird's eyes Got it. or yeah, uh, that's that's what I was different thinking. things. Yeah, yeah. it's it, something that makes it pretty. Yes. And yeah, it, I I call it pretty wood. Yeah, pretty wood. Yeah. That that that's that's usually my word for it. I was trying to be fancy because I'm yeah. on a podcast right yeah. now. But um, like you look at one of these trees that we're sitting next to and somewhere inside there's a really pretty piece of wood in there yes and uh i, f- I found some of my friend's wood pile and he, he looked at me he's like yeah you can have a piece of wood <laughs> <laughs> i was so excited man. about it and i went home and i chopped it up on my saw and and then i dried it out and put it on a rod and it it, it it's really fun to okay. have a wood with a, a a rod with a wood piece of wood that has a story to it yeah and it, it's it's a picture of redemption to me in a lot of ways that uh it, it's multi-purpose and it was firewood it was uh, no, once it was a tree uh, yeah once it was a tree that provided shelter now yeah. it's it was it's brothers or or whatever you call those sibling pieces of wood yeah, it could be sisters yeah sisters yeah and uh yeah it, now they're gone now now they're burned they're burned but i've got i've got a little three and a half inch piece of wood it's now bringing life to yeah someone else yeah. and yeah catching and releasing beautiful yeah and really even you know just what, one of the things i love about what, what you're doing is that you know it, i'm just getting into fly fishing this year and the the connection with creation with god's creative yeah. order with the yeah. beauty and um you know the transcendence of the created order around it's yeah. just really a, a, it's, you know, it does something. Yeah, I love. It the, does. By the way, I love you. Uh, Chris is wearing a hat right now. That, as a matter of fact, we'll link to it so you can buy it through his website. And, and right, right there, yeah. it just says "slow down." Yeah. And yeah. I love that about 
fly fishing is it's it's almost um, countercultural because you can't you can't rush or be hurried. No, not at and all. And so th- the idea of, of the redemption of this, you know, rotting piece of wood that is now helping someone to slow down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and really, you know, yeah, yeah, really a life-giving thing. It is, yeah. It, it's a beautiful thing, and, and people look at me, at me kind of weird when I try to talk about it, but I'm like, that's ah, okay. Yeah. It's fine. That's what I understand. Maybe I can help you understand a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you, um, you mentioned to me as we were we were out on the trail that uh, you ended up at Covenant Seminary because of Francis Schaefer. Yeah, yeah. So does Francis Schaefer and his kind of um, uh, conception of uh, cultural engagement yeah. and um, and and really seeking the, the flourishing of the, um, yeah. really the community you're in while also directly honoring God, how does that does that affect you, or, or maybe oh, a better way to put it is, how does that affect you? It it affects me greatly. It it it's I try to help what I learned from reading Schaefer stuff and studying and things like that to try to really help me to think through how to engage like my customers. Yeah. And the and most one of the great things about my job is that all my customers turn into friends and fishing buddies. Yeah, as a matter and, of fact, that's why we're here, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. I, you sold a rod to yeah uh, Don Goodman, who we yeah. had here on the on the Hammer and Quill yeah. in the past, Good who then Don. says, "Oh, you you're doing this series. You should go fishing with Chris, my friend, who was once my just my fly rod yeah guy. But yeah, I was a friend. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it's fantastic, and and meet all kinds of great unexpected people. Yeah, and um, just looking through the 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 lens of what's the word I'm looking for just sharing creation and sharing beauty yeah with people and that is one of the greatest honors that I think think I've ever had to do hmm. um it, it, the gospel is everywhere out here and it, it's very the redemption the everything it's beautiful out here yeah yeah so so when you think about yeah, that's great. And, and, you know, Francis Schaefer actually, you know, has been um, a, you know, kind of a, um, here is not the right word, but it has been insp- inspiring to me in my life as well, you know. Yeah, uh, interesting. Um, between what he and, and uh, Edith did with Labrie. Yeah, and yeah. Creating a community, really creating, you know, yeah. even thinking, I've been thinking a lot lately, Chris, about... Um, you know, in a in a kind of post-Christian, um, late modern Western world that we're in, that um, a lot of the old ways of being in the world as Christians um, uh, maybe maybe aren't going to continue to work. Right. Yeah. But but creating alternative communities that are they're alternative because they actually are countercultural in the way that they demonstrate uh, convictions, biblical convictions, but right. also also the beauty of a um of life together under the yeah. cross of christ yeah and anyway labrie has been like kind of an, an interesting of course it's yeah. kind of a weird thing it know? is it's, yeah it's not yeah for everyone but it's not it's and as a matter of fact didn't you spend some time yeah you told me that yeah uh, back in 2002 we spent time at english labrie during the fall or the autumn term and it was incredible it, yeah. it was i learned how to love again working with my hands yeah, and, how so? And I, I did a lot of the house maintenance on okay. the 1800s house. <laughs> okay, there was a lot of maintenance. There was a lot. Of, I got shocked by some seriously <laughs> strong electricity there. It was <laughs> threw me off a chair and scared somebody to death. Mm. And some of the guys that I worked and studied with there, the we had a, I had a mentor named uh, Wade Bradshaw, fantastic man. He um, he encouraged me to. Uh, think about how I learned best because I was having a hard time in seminary trying to figure out learning Greek and learning learning a whole new several new languages whether it's theological languages or Greek or Hebrew or whatever and he he emphasized that I process better as as a person when I when I'm able to work out a problem with my hands and, and have a have a project start and finish and see it all the way through not yeah. um in construction i would 
like be the demo guy or the or the finish guy, but I wouldn't see it all the way through. And uh, he helped me to understand that about myself, and um, and eventually coming around to building fly rods, that that is really the ultimate for me. I, I select the blank, I select the wood, I select the cork, I select the styling, everything, the the purpose, or take cue for, uh, from the customer. Yeah. And then then I. Um, build it out and send it on and then they catch their first fish with it and send me a picture and they, that's and completion that that yeah. that's that's a beautiful completion right there yeah so i love that idea of thinking with your hands um even with guys who are in ministry you know um with people in ministry oftentimes i try to encourage them and really i was encouraged in the same way that um you know i think best while writing yeah yeah. Or while walking. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I, I walk a lot. Yeah, and it's not usually while just sitting down staring at a screen. Right. And so, yeah. um, you know, or, or just sitting in a chair thinking. And so so I, I'm curious about that, like the kind of um, uh, embodied sort of activity that, that, that triggers our, our thinking. Yeah, and, yeah. So when you think about in your particular case as you're as you're building out that fly rod, yeah, um, how does that work for you to think with your hands? Are you making sure that uh, you're you're actually thinking as you go? Are you how, how much planning goes into it that's outside of your hands? Does, does that make sense? I think so. Um, there's some. It's like I got to figure out the purpose, and like say a guy says, I want to I want to fish the Shenandoah Park in Virginia, and uh, I want to catch small brook trout. Do you have something like that? And that, that just so happens, so that's what I prefer to do myself. So I, I have an idea, and, I, and they're either trying to learn or established, and I, I try to get their story from them and and hear what they like to fish with, how, like, the their leader set up, their, how, how long they've been doing it, and... Uh, what what really gets them excited? Are they after the big fish? Are they after the experience? Or are they looking at the process of of the whole thing? Uh, yeah. What what is it that they really love about it? And and then I, I'll think about that as I'm building the rod. And and usually it's it's I've I've got standard ways of building things, and it's uh, pretty straightforward for me because I, I've built a few and yeah how many rods have you built at this point I, it's hard to know i i have serial numbers and i just keep them to the year so okay. I, I, right this year i've built about 95 95 rods uh, this year usually by january i've got about 120 140 160 this has wow. been a weird year with a lot of real real big slowdowns with shipping and stuff okay um so how I'm, far out is the you know if someone wants to order a bar clay rod it's it's about four or five months right okay. now. Um, I actually had to stop taking orders. I, I did earlier on in the pandemic. Yeah. And recently, I, I just need to catch up on orders because I've got about 38 right now that oh. that I need to finish up. And I don't like having that yeah, hang over my head. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah. figure out a better way to do that. Uh, but that, that's the business aspect that I need some help with. Yeah. And thankfully, I'm talking to some folks that help me figure out. Oh, good. Logistics. <laughs> Logistics and... Yeah. and, and all yes, that. I love the way that you described um, your your vocational calling, the work that you're 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 creating with your hands, which is in a, in a sense, um, you know, it's honoring God, it's imaging God as as the yeah. ultimate one who created um, for the good of others. Yeah, and I love the way that you create with the end in mind. Yeah, that, um, you know, you're it's relational, it's connected to the person, it's connected to what they want to do with it. Yeah, uh, I think that's. That's really unique. It's fun. It, it, it's it's unique and fun. So let me ask another question about um, the end in mind. For you, yeah. how do you measure success in your vocation? You mm. know, you're you're working with your hands. I'm guessing you're not getting 360 reviews from yourself. I mean, you know, so no. so um, you don't have someone saying, "Hey, you did, Chris. You did a good job this week." You, yeah. You're, you know. So how do you how do you measure success? Oh, that's hard. Um, I, I 
I'm able to pay the mortgage, and I enjoy doing it. Good. And so you can pay the bills. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's kind of where it starts. The simple answer. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great answer. That's a, who, who or what has most helped you refine your skills in your vocation? Hmm. Probably my customers and friends. Okay. They, I, I get, they feedback. get feedback. Yeah, I get feedback. I ask for feedback. I'd like to know if something doesn't work. Yeah. So you were showing me this, uh, by the way, speaking of refining, um, your uh the 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 handle oh the, the ventilated grip yeah the ventilated yeah, the grip. sections in between the court yeah that was fascinating to yeah me. is it, that something that you did because of customer feedback or did you see someone else innovating I, in that I, way there's a um uh, some rods built back in the 40s and 50s by south bend old bamboo rods yeah. and, and things like that they had a that separated ventilated grip and i thought it was really cool so it, were you like looking at old catalogs yeah or? I, for a while i bought and sold as many old rods as i possibly could oh, just so i could learn okay. them learn what made a good rod and and things like that and trying to figure out what i liked in a rod and how i can make it better and uh, that kind of grip just helps you feel the rod bend and gives you a sense of timing timing is really important in fly fishing um, mm. it's kind of like the beat of a of a drum almost yeah, yeah, I like to just splash the water, <laughs> yeah. just slam things just in froth there. Just froth it like a froth it up like a good just, latte. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't catch many fish, so um, but I, I think I, I think I understand what you mean. Yeah, watching yeah. you fish today, I think I can understand. Well, Chris, when you uh, you know when you think about you've got a backlog of thirty-eight rods, you're, yeah. you're taking on a hundred or hundred twenty a year, um, and you know I, I I always find the seasons of life where where I'm actually in more control of my schedule, often are times I have a harder time resting. I just kind of keep going. Yeah. And yeah. so how do you prioritize rest? Do you have some practices where you just make sure, hey, oh, on man. Saturday I don't make rods. I mean, what yeah. do you do for that? On a Friday I just go up to the creek and I go fishing with this new friend of mine. Yeah, and we yeah. We podcast together. What do you do as a, I, as a normal way to rest? I try to fish every week. I've not been very good about that. Um, and I, I tried just not to be in a hurry. Yeah. That, that's the main thing that I, I know I've got a ton of stuff to do and in, in order to pay bills and stuff like that, I've got to keep, keep on the rod building because you build momentum yet. You start different aspects of the process at different times. So you can have like right now, I've got about 12 rods in, in the process right now from anywhere from needing the last coat to finish to just turning the grip okay and um so it I, i've always got something going on but i try to keep i, I just try to keep it so that I, I don't become numb about it yeah and if i start becoming numb i feel like i need to rest mm. and i try I, I really do try on saturday or sunday afternoons just to not do anything with it yeah try not to think about it go for a real long walk or or play frisbee with my kids or something like that and um but the the tricky part about it is that this is kind of a restful thing to do for a living anyway um there's a lot of uh it, it's like i'm retired already in in <laughs> nice. some ways yeah except for i still have all the responsibilities of not being retired right but because you're doing what but, a lot of guys are yeah. dream about retiring to yeah, do. yeah exactly Exactly, and that's, I don't have a whole lot to complain about yeah, that's in, a gift. in that regard. Yeah, yeah, it is a gift. It really is. So so when you, do you typically treat your rod making as a nine to five, you know, where your, your wife heads to work and then you head to the shop, or do you keep strange hours? I mean, how do you, yeah. how do you think about that? My, my shop is in my house right now, and so uh, it's just a guest bedroom and part of our basement. Okay. And so I can... I can start making spaghetti and go put a coat of finish on a rod and then finish making spaghetti or something like that. I can kind of incorporate that into uh, daily life Yeah, a lot of the time. Um, and sometimes, like in the summertime, when, when uh, Valerie and the kids are, are home from school or something like that, it's a little bit hard to have boundaries. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I usually don't get as much done when, when people are around. 
And me neither. That that's that's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to figure out how to be patient with that. Mm. And and with yourself. So when you right now, and this this could be fly rod, this could be fishing, or this could be just in general. Um, what are you? What are you most kind of uh, interested in and curious about right now? What are you researching the most these Ooh. days? Hmm. That is a very good question. Seems like I'm always trying to figure something out, how to do something better, how to how to finish wood better. Um, I I have a lot of processes that I that I've just kind of honed down to yeah. what works for me. And um, I'm always trying to improve those processes to be more efficient and also to enjoy it more. Yeah. Because um, I don't want to become numb to it. You know, um, I love the way that you're just, we're, we're, we're wrapping up here. So I'm going to ask you uh, one or two more questions before I haven't prepared you for this, but oh. we do a little, we do a little lightning round where oh. I'll just hammer you with a few questions, but I love, uh, just picking up a theme about this, um, this idea of making sure that you don't become numb to your work, that you are present with the work, yeah, that, yeah. um, really that you're receiving the gift of your vocation as a gift and not just as um, something you have to do. And I think, I think that's something any of our listeners could, could learn, could pick yeah. up, you know, yeah. that, um, not everybody's going to be able to have the kind of yeah early retirement <laughs> vocational career that, that yeah. you do. But, um, but to think about each, each day is really a gift and to slow down, yeah. be present in the moment. It, it reminds me of a, um, of a, of an essay and I'll have to link to it in the show notes. Dorothy Sayers wrote about uh, why work. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, I read that at Labrie. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> it's it's uh, been a while, so it might need to be yeah, refreshed. Well, and, and really, the, the, one of the things that it reminded me of is that um, is work for the love of the work. Yeah. Work for the, you know, yeah. not just for the love of, the, of your neighbor. So, in, yeah. in other words, it's, it's, it's obviously Christian and right to work for the love of God first and the yeah. love of neighbor second. But she makes an argument that also for the love of the work. That, yeah. Uh, you know, those who are called to, you know, almost every vocation is a is a legitimate God honoring vocation. You know, there, yeah. of course, there are some that maybe aren't, but uh, in in any of the, the legitimate vocations, um, cultivating a love for actually doing what you're doing yeah. is is a yeah. Christian virtue. It is, yeah. It, I think it's a commandment from Genesis. Ooh. All right. Is I'm... there anything I should ask, but I didn't? Oh. <laughs> uh... This is a new question we're asking our guests. Okay. I don't like it so much. I didn't write this question. Yeah, yeah. My staff um, wrote it. Hmm. They, they, they assumed that I would probably not ask the right questions. Right, yeah. Um, you're asking very good questions. <laughs> good. So yeah, you, I, I can't you think hear of that, you. Michael and Holly? Yeah, take that. Of course, I think they wrote most of the other questions, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that when you're, um, when you're wrapping the silk thread... You are listening to music. Yeah. So what's on your what's on your workshop soundtrack? Oh man. Um, you could just go with artists if you want. Yesterday was Aretha. Aretha. Yeah. Okay. I, I man, the greatest the hits. She, man, she will get you moving. If you have no <laughs> if you have no movement in your body at all, she will get you at least bobbing your head a little okay. bit. Okay. And that's good. Yeah, you're a Presbyterian, so yeah. bobbing the head might be as far yeah, as you did, that, right? Yeah, I'm not really all that much into movement. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Uh, Aretha yeah. lately, anything yeah. else? Bob Dylan. Okay. And uh, a lot of Charlie Parr. I, I've, I've listened to, he's an old blues, or he, he's not an old blues guy. He's a 50-something blues guy that is from Minnesota, and he just, he has a way of speaking about life that is just beautiful. Great. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, Chris, welcome to the lightning round as we close All out right, our, our uh, forest adventure here on uh, outside of the Blue Ridge Parkway. Lightning round. So what's the best movie or show you've watched in the past year? Ted Lasso. Mm, Ted Lasso. I feel like maybe every one of our guests <laughs> is going to say that. How about, uh, how about the best book you've read? Um... See the problem of pain. The by problem C. S. of Lewis. pain by C.S. Lewis. 
Some light reading, huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about album or podcast? You already mentioned Aretha, and but uh, is there an album or a podcast you've listened to lately that you love? Beside, of course, the Hammer and Quill. Beside that one, of course. Um, I don't really listen to podcasts much. Album was uh, Willie Nelson's "Redheaded Stranger." All right. So start. You can't listen to it piecemeal. You have to listen to it front to big, front to back, because right. it's a story. Yeah. Yes. Do it that way, listeners. What's on your nightstand? iPhone charger. Uh, uh, the problem of pain. <laughs> and uh, let's see. I think that's it for now. All yeah. right. All right. If I visit Winston-Salem, hometown now. Where do I have to go to eat, and what do I order? You would go to man, Miss Aura's, Miss Aura's Kitchen. Miss Aura's Kitchen. Okay. Yeah, and you would order chicken and waffles. Chicken and waffles. I would order chicken and waffles. It is, it is incredible. All right. If if uh, someone was going to give you a treat, a snack, what would you want them to give you? Um, Kit Kat. Kit Kat. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. I don't break sing either. That. Kit Kat bar. Football cream. Any yeah. office listeners out there? Oh, yeah. What talking about. Uh, all right. That What's the last question here? What's good. the most magnificent animal you've ever seen in the wild? It was a bear. Uh, I was hunting in West Virginia. And it just walked by me, and I, I, I wasn't, I didn't have a bear tag or anything like that, and I didn't want to kill it. I just wanted to look at it. Yeah. And it just lumbered right by, and I whistled at it. I yelled at it. I tried to get it to stop. It, it glanced over at me, and it was, it was a big black bear, and it just kept on walking. It didn't, it, it, didn't even, get, it didn't like, even care about you. Hey, what's up? And it just kept on going. You're hunting in my ground. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you so much oh, for joining us thank you. here. Where can people go to find out more about you and your work? I have a website that is cbarclayflyrods at, no, that's my, just cbarclayflyrods.com. Yep, we'll link to that in the show notes. And uh, there's a contact information on there. I've got some pictures, some stories, uh, sometimes some stuff for sale. And okay, you're not taking new orders, but you wouldn't, wouldn't you know, someone could inquire. Yeah, somebody yeah. can ask. I don't mind, yeah. I don't mind that. And you're on uh, social media? Yeah, Instagram, Instagram and Facebook. That's about it. You don't do any TikTok dances or anything? Not yet. I'm about to get into that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, All right, I'm, listeners, oh. please check out Chris Barclay and his magnificent, beautiful fly rods. And thank you for tuning in. And Chris, thanks, thanks for, having for joining me. us. This was fantastic. Thanks for so much for coming out and hanging out teaching me how to how to cast on these tangles. you're doing a good job man. overhang you can tell all you, the listeners you really did a great job. job i was impressed you, I you nailed it many fish, but boy that's okay i was casting well thanks for joining yeah and uh we'll check you out online all right thanks man That was an awesome interview with that Chris. A, I bet that you had the time of your life. That Did was you? like that was like the that was like the one good day in the last month for me. <laughs> it's been, it's yeah. been a dark, yeah. Yeah, yeah, challenging yeah. month. And that day, yeah. I'd like to go back to there. Yeah, was a light. In it was the darkness. a light day. Yeah. It was so beautiful. We had such a great time. Where did you put? The microphone. Yeah, I am curious. The running about that. board, like that you step onto to get into my car. Yeah. Uh-huh. I I clamp them onto that onto there. <laughs> okay. And Did we you take sat... a picture? No, I should oh, have. Oh man. Yeah. You if should I, have. If I was smarter mm-hmm. or better, <laughs> I would have done that. You really just should have was... asked us, and we would have told you to. That's what yeah. we're here for. Yeah, but see that if I was humbler, I would have asked yes. you. If I was smarter, I would have thought of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, but you're, it's you're like you. one. I'm me. <laughs> it's like one of our Bonhoeffer House guys counseled you while you were playing spike ball. Just need to anticipate more. Yes.
You know, I was like, gosh, I'm, I'm so bad at this. Why am I so bad at this? <laughs> oh, bro, you just need to anticipate better. <laughs> okay. So you should have be an- more athletic. You should have anticipated. In any case, it was a fantastic interview. We had a great time. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. And uh, yeah, I'm interested in your y'all's takeaways from that conversation. Mm. Yeah, I, I, um, one thing that really stuck out to me, especially in the conversations that we have around the table talking about the Bonhoeffer house was, um, when Chris talked about going to seminary and how, what he felt was that was lacking in that experience for him was like hands on, um, person to person application of what he was learning. Um, I'd love to hear, yeah, what you guys. Yeah. I loved, I loved the way that he described, um, his way of learning wasn't so much the, the traditional classroom method that, that what he basically learned in seminary is I don't learn like this. I learn with my hands. I learn by doing, by making, by putting things together. I think there's something for us to learn, even even for me as a pastor, to, to learn a, about learning with that um, mm-hmm. and about about forming and training, because so much of of uh, what is you know so much of ministry. Now, listen, I've been thinking about this. Not just so much of ministry. But I really believe that every every Christian is called to apprentice to Jesus in the way of his life. Mm-hmm. And so much and we we typically think about that as if it's something that you can teach in a classroom. Like you know, go go and hear the sermon, get that preached to you, go into the Sunday school classroom or the you know, the small group Bible study and get that content poured into your head and you're gonna now you're gonna live like Jesus and, and follow him in his whole way of being and his whole life. But but that's not really how it works. And even for Jesus with his with his first disciples, it was like, "Hey, come follow me." Yeah. Now, there's content, there's training, there's there's verbal kind of, you know, didactic teaching, but there's also a shoulder to shoulder, put get, picking hands in the dirt, building things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I think that that was really good to think about. Like, you know, yeah, I don't want to exclude hands, the hands on, like actual hands on learning required to be excellent at anything especially pastoral ministry. Yeah. I, I, I think about the way that Jesus taught and yeah, what comes to mind is when, when you pray, pray like this and, and then teaching and then even, even some of his more, you know, intellectual uh, teaching of, of like, Hey, when you, uh, when you lead, don't, don't lord it over people like the Gentiles. He then yeah. demonstrates by, putting on a towel and washing feet. Um, so th- there is so much of the shoulder to shoulder as they're, as they're with him, he's demonstrating, he's, uh, he's even taking things from, uh, the culture around them, taking things from the experiences that they share together and using those to teach. So that was really fascinating, um, to hear from Chris. I also felt like in him sharing about his, experience in seminary it was it was really uh cool cool is not the right word um i don't know important i felt that in that he modeled for us you can you can pursue something uh, you can you can start down a path and have the lord reveal to you or or your circumstances your your community and the lord together reveal to you um this is not what I'm called to. And then, and then kind of take a step back and reassess what is it that God has made me to do and has, has called me to do. Um, and so it was really fascinating to hear Chris talk about that uh, process of trying seminary, realizing this isn't really the way that I learn, this isn't the, really the way that I'm gifted, and this isn't the thing that I feel like God's calling me to do, and then to pivot and end up where he is now doing something that's life-giving to him and is uh, a benefit to his community, yeah. is helping him to connect with people in meaningful ways was, was just really cool. Yeah, to see full circle the faithfulness of God, to meet him in his pivot um, and to grow community there. Or actually, as our, our friend Charles Wilson says, his Eurostep, right? That's right, Charles, Charles <laughs> Wilson. He's a fr- I've watched movies with him. He's a friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, he gave he gave a, a message at our state our state convention 
about how all the talk about pivoting. He's yeah. like, listen, this isn't a time for pivoting. This is a time for the Euro step. <laughs> you know, pivoting, you don't go anywhere. That's right. But the Euro step, you know, you go this way, you go that way, but you're moving forward. Yeah. Even while you're kind of going left and right and jagging and, and, uh, yeah, if you're not might, a basketball fan, it might look funny. Yeah, go, go. I'm uh, sitting here like, yeah. can you <laughs> demonstrate a Euro step? I did, but that's, that wasn't a phrase you didn't that do we Euro, used. You didn't do the Euro mm. stepping? No. Oh. Who's the who's the Michael? Who is the guy for Eurostep? I mean, my so now, I feel like somebody like Giannis. Giannis. But when yeah, I was that's growing who up, I was thinking <laughs> of too. Giannis. But growing up, Manu Ginobili. Manu. Yeah. Manu. Just Google Manu Ginobili. Google Do Manu the, Ginobili catching a bat. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Can not Eurostepping. It it's not Eurostepping. But it's incredible. <laughs> But it's yeah. incredible. Let's add that to the show notes because I'm not we, sure I'm going to be able to spell yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manu Ginobili. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> For um, Holly. I do love that. I love that what Chris kind of demonstrates in his life is that is kind of you're stepping his way. Um, and I interrupted know. Holly. What? So you were you were saying in his in his pivot or in his euro step, God was faithful. Yeah. Just. Uh, no, you didn't interrupt me. I think I, I was done with my statement. Just okay. to, faithful to then show him the purpose and the fruit that comes from something that isn't, that wasn't seminary for Mm -hmm. him. It's building fly rods. Like he's, he's faithful and beautiful to meet people in their craft. Um, and what he's laid on Chris's heart and, you know, to do is, is, is doing beautiful things for the kingdom. That's right. Yeah. And if I, if I want, I'd love to close this episode just by emphasizing how much, you know, evangelicals, Protestants in general, at least for the last hundred years, have not had a very robust um, uh, natural theology. You know, mm. a very robust. Uh, you know, in some ways, we kind of look at that as being too Catholic. Mm. You know, if they do that, we don't do that. We don't mess around with that. Uh, my friend Jerry McDermott talks about how really that's Karl Barth's fault, but that's for a whole nother. We could take that up on a whole nother podcast. You watch movies with him. Jerry and I have actually probably never watched a movie. So that's a good point. My colleague, not friend. Jerry, we should watch a movie. Preferably a Nicolas Cage movie. That, but, but really, you know, it's not just that we need uh, tomes written, theology books written about natural. About natu- As a matter of fact, Jerry wrote a book called You're on Every, the spot. Everyday Glory. Everyday Glory. Which is fantastic. You didn't even have to look to find that. (laughs) I did have to look because I couldn't remember because I knew it had that kind of, the the title's not great. Okay. The wall of books behind us is convenient for that. Anyway, um, for Chris, he's living it out. Like for him, he, he, he's doing what he's doing in part because he's able to bring people into the beauty and goodness of God's created order mm-hmm. and help them to slow down and be mm-hmm. present yeah. in their particular time and place. And more, and I can tell you watching him and being around him, more uh, aware of what God is doing and how the heavens declare the glory of mm-hmm. God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And so was really appreciative of Chris joining us. Thank you listeners for tuning in. If you want to check Chris out, we're going to post in the show notes how to find out his website, find his social media. You can watch him testing fly rods and go get yourself a cool slow down hat. I want one of those hats. You can put a pre-order. You can be, you know, once he opens back up, order a fly rod. We talked about actually creating a house rod Mm. that like is custom made to like, I don't know. That would be cool. Yeah. We've got a few, he's got a, a name few guys, for all of them. A few guys who would uh, use that. Yeah, that's right. So thank you, listeners, for tuning in uh, to this podcast where we explore craftsmanship in the work uh, in life of Chris Barclay. Tune in next time as we inter- interview Julie L. Sears, who is a painter, a craftsman, uh, painting, creating beautiful objects that point people to Christ express her own creative giftings tune in next time in the meantime we'd love for you to review us on itunes or whatever uh whatever you're using to listen to this podcast we'd love for you to send in any any questions you might have to info at bonhofferhouse.com you can send in suggestions and we will get back to you and until next time peace peace
I got more fire in my belly than not to. I'm happy as a clam and I think you forgot to. Tell me where my enemies are, cause when I look around, I know what to be found. I guess to counting down every single hour to the minute to the second. They have me second guessing if they even present. If they ever step up to me, I'ma give them all a gift. I'll say sorry in advance and I'll go and please the fifth. And I don't need a fifth to hit the top of your wish list. Every time I pivot, I'ma leave your ankles twisted. Listen, I'm not feeling listless, this, that, bliss, bliss I don't feel indifferent, already left the runway And I barely had assistance, went to my back Let the jokers react, and the higher powers laughing with me They don't know what happened, up so high That your size is a fraction, and what goes up Must come down, but now I'm really feeling like That paradigm shifted, the feeling is addictive Anti-gravity, I pray it's never lifted And when I hit the top, it tastes like poutine That you're kissing, listen I'm on a list, everything is going on without a hitch. Skip the clips, I'm on a list, everything is going on without a hitch. Skip the clips, I'm on a list, everything is going on without a hitch. Skip the clips, I'm on a list, everything is going on without a hitch. Don't make it about the money, cause the standard lacks precision.